I'm reading from the fifth chapter of the Epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians, beginning at the 19th verse. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In our study of what St. Paul calls the works of the flesh, the apostle uses the word flesh to mean human nature controlled and directed by sin. Since human nature is dominated by sinful desires, certain sinful actions proceed from the lusts of our hearts and minds that have been corrupted by sin. In the King James Version, we have a list of 17 works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19-21. Though this is not an exhaustive list, it is a good summary of the works of the flesh. As we have seen, this list can be grouped into four broad categories. The first four, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness, have to do with sexual immorality. The second group, idolatry and witchcraft, have to do with false religion and false worship. The third group, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, and murders, have to do with conflict. And today we come to the last group, drunkenness and revelings, which have to do with excess. The first word, drunkenness, deals with drinking to the point of the loss of self-control. If we compare the fruit of the Spirit with the works of the flesh, it is interesting that the last fruit of the Spirit that St. Paul mentions is self-control. The last of the works of the flesh deal with the opposite of self-control, drunkenness and revelings. As we know, the Scripture is filled with warnings against drunkenness. St. Paul admonishes the Roman Christians, The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, nor in strife and envying. Notice how similar that list is to the list of the works of the flesh we are studying here in Galatians. Carousing, sexual immorality, strife, and envy are works of the flesh, and as such they are characteristics of those who are still walking in the darkness of sin, rather than those who have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness to walk in the light of the Lord. The reason the Bible condemns drunkenness so strongly is because of the consequences that flow from drunkenness. We know the terrible effects that drunkenness has on the individual who drinks too much, Excessive drinking takes its toll on the body, resulting in many various diseases that may ruin our health, cause pain, and even cut life short, the life that God has given to us as a precious gift. Overindulgence in alcohol over time impairs the proper functioning of our brains. Over time, Indulgence can lead to various mental disorders such as deep depression. And of course we know that excessive drinking can lead to addiction. 
and we know the horrors that accompany addiction. People begin to neglect their duties. Young people begin to neglect their studies. Men and women become inefficient at work, perhaps even losing their jobs or becoming so addicted that they no longer even care about fulfilling their duties because all they can think about is getting that next drink. The wise man in the book of Proverbs warns us, For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall close a man with rags. Of course, this warning does not only concern the abuse of alcohol, but all addicting substances. We're all aware that one of the most pressing problems in our nation at the present time is substance abuse. I don't need to give you a list of all the drugs that people are taking at the present time that have become so addictive that they only desire of some people is to get that next fix, the next high, or whatever feeling it is that they think they must have. And people will do almost anything to get the alcohol or the drug. They will steal, kill, even prostitute themselves to get the money they need to satisfy their addiction. I remember when I was in the seventh grade that our school gave each one of us a comic book entitled Hooked. It told the story of a couple who became addicted to drugs and all the terrible things they did to support their addiction, and it ended with the girlfriend dying of an overdose. I remember how frightened I was after reading that book. I think we need to spend a great deal more time frightening our children about the dangers of drug addiction. There is a pretty terrifying description of addiction in Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. This passage warns about all the things that happen because of drunkenness. It leads to sorrow and anguish. I've already mentioned the tragedies caused by what drunkenness can do to our minds and bodies. Think of all the sorrow that is caused by driving under the influence. In 2019, statistics showed that every 52 minutes, someone was killed in the United States as a result of drunk driving not to mention all the horrible injuries from which people may never recover. Think of all the sorrow and anguish that drunkenness has caused in families. How many women have been beaten by the boyfriend or the husband because they were out of control due to the use of alcohol or some other substance. Think of how many families wound up in poverty because the breadwinner spent all of their money on drugs or alcohol. Think of how many wives and even husbands have had to leave and take their children out of the home 
to escape the abuse and negligence of a spouse addicted to drugs or alcohol. One of the saddest movies of the early 1960s was Days of Wine and Roses, starring Jack Lemmon and Lee Remick. It tells the story of a man who taught his wife to drink. They both wind up in the chains of alcoholism. Eventually, he is able to quit drinking, but she, the woman he taught to drink, never could, and she loses both her husband and daughter as a result. That pattern has been repeated in so many lives. The last scene of the movie is of her walking down a dark street at night towards a bar. Like that little comic book, Hooked, Days of Wine and Roses is a powerful warning about the tragedy of alcoholism. What incredible sorrow has been caused to so many families because of alcohol and drug abuse. This passage in Proverbs 23 that I read a moment ago gives many graphic details about the effects of drunkenness. We see drunkenness described for us here as a cause of violence. I suppose almost every day now we hear of the violence caused by drunkenness. Fights and shootings breaking out in bars when people become inflamed by alcohol. All the shootings that take place in neighborhoods throughout our cities caused by the use and distribution of drugs Even innocent children slaughtered by drive-by shootings. This passage even describes hallucinations when under the influence. There is truly nothing new under the sun. Of course, when people are under the influence of alcohol, they lose their inhibitions. And it is no surprise that drunkenness and sexual immorality often go hand in hand. Many a man, many a woman, has looked back over a night of drunkenness and realized that they will have to bear the consequences of their actions for the rest of their lives. The most terrible thing about alcohol or drug addiction is found in Proverbs 23, 35, when the person says, When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Or as one translation has it, When will I wake up so that I can look for another drink? Eventually, the only purpose of life becomes to get the next drink, the next fix the next high. Now I think we can see why scripture condemns drunkenness so strongly. When we are under the influence of these substances, we do untold damage to ourselves and to others. So St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The word that is translated excess is a word that you will see sometimes translated as debauchery or dissipation, which refers to extreme self-indulgence or extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures. So the word excess here does not mean excessive drinking. Rather, Paul is pointing out that drinking too much leads to excess, to debauchery. It leads to a total abandonment to the sinful desires of the flesh. To give an illustration of this excess, we can look at the story of the prodigal son. We all remember how the prodigal son asked for his inheritance and went into a far country. And we are told in Luke 15, 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now the word that is translated there as riotous is the same word translated here in Ephesians 5.18 as excess. 
The prodigal son went into the far country and engaged in a total abandonment to the pleasures of the flesh until he had lost everything he had. And Paul is telling us that this is where drunkenness leads. It leads to excess. It leads to debauchery until the person has nothing. As a matter of fact, one of the modern translations of Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul is warning that excessive drinking has the potential to ruin our entire lives and end in the loss of everything that we have. In Galatians 5.21, after St. Paul warns against drunkenness, he mentions revelings. In modern translations of the Bible, you will see this word translated as orgies, carousing, wild parties, revelries, wasteful parties. The Apostle Peter also uses this word in 1 Peter 4, 1-4, where he says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us, who have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Notice that word riot again. It's the same word translated as excess in Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. And the story of the prodigal son who wasted his substance in riotous living. This is how these people that St. Peter addresses lived before they came to Christ. Riotous living. As you can see, Peter mentions excess of wine, revelings, and banquetings. Again, there's nothing wrong with parties and banquets in and of themselves. The kingdom of God itself is described as a great feast a banquet. But the kind of parties and banquets described by St. Paul and St. Peter are those characterized by a total abandonment to pleasures that are sinful. As the great Anglican preacher Charles Simeon once said, there are some evils which pass under the milder name of good fellowship and conviviality. Some, which like the revelings that were common among the heathen, consist of feastings, dancings, and excess of every kind. But however we may soften them down by specious names and plead for them as innocent amusements, they are all hateful to God and destructive to man, insomuch that the man who finds his pleasure in them can in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Often had the apostle entered his protest against such carnal indulgences, so unworthy of a rational being, and so unsuited to persons standing on the brink of eternity. And it's no accident that drunkenness, excess of wine, are mentioned here in Galatians 5 and 1 Peter 4 side by side. Drunkenness leads to a loss of self-control, which quite often leads to other kinds of immoral sinful behavior. One of the chief characteristics of our country would be wild parties, orgies, carousing, 
I need not describe these activities in detail, for we see them displayed for us vividly, almost constantly, in the various media. We have certain seasons of the year that are totally devoted to what St. Paul describes here. From Mardi Gras in New Orleans to spring break in Fort Lauderdale, we see graphic representations of the activities described here by St. Paul, people who have totally abandoned themselves to every sinful desire. Now St. Paul wants to realize that people whose lives are marked by these kinds of activities cannot call themselves Christians. For those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is why the Apostle Peter said in the passage that we looked at earlier that this kind of lifestyle was part of the old way of life. In other words, when these people became Christians, they gave up the lifestyle characterized by excess of wine, revelings, and banqueting. And their old friends were puzzled about why they didn't engage in those activities anymore. Nevertheless, sad to say, sometimes Christians do fall into such sins. The Bible describes Noah as a righteous man, perfect in his generation, a man who walked with God. Yet after the flood, after God had been merciful and spared him and his family, Noah gets drunk. Lot, whom the apostle Peter described as a righteous man, got so drunk that he didn't even realize that he was sleeping with his own two daughters, giving birth to Moab and Ammon, from whom came two nations that would always be a thorn in the side of Israel. The Christian must not be characterized by this kind of lifestyle, and therefore he must continue to fight against the temptation to yield to this kind of sin. One of the reasons why the Christian must stay away from drunkenness and wild parties is that the Christian life is to be marked by exactly the opposite style of living. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a physician before he entered the ministry, put it this way, The Christian life is a controlled life, an ordered life. It is the very reverse of the condition of the drunkard who has lost control and is being controlled by something else, as it were, and who is therefore in a state of utter disorder and disarray. Excess of wine leads to a condition which is characterized above everything by the loss of understanding, the loss of refinement, the loss of judgment, the loss of balance. Drink is not a stimulus. It is a depressant. It depresses first and foremost the highest centers of all in the brain. They are the very first to be influenced and affected by drink. They control everything that gives a man self-control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance, the power to assess everything. In other words, everything that makes a man behave at his very best and highest. There is nothing higher, in a sense, than just this power of control, self-control, balance, discipline. And the Apostle is reminding us here that there is nothing which should be more obvious about and more characteristic of the Christian than orderliness, this ordered quality, this balance, this refinement, this discipline. There should be nothing about the Christian to suggest that lack of self-control, which is the most obvious feature of drunkenness, the excess 
which characterizes it. I love how Lord Jones emphasizes that the Christian life should be known for refinement, self-control, discipline, the ability to make sound judgments and decisions. All that is lost when people give in to drunkenness and revelries. The dignity of the Christian character is demeaned and our testimony in front of the people of the world is damaged. No wonder then that the Apostle Paul said, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. For when we are filled with the Spirit, then we live with discipline and self-control. As I said at the beginning of this message, it's very interesting that when the Apostle Paul ends this list of the works of the flesh, he ends with drunkenness and revelries. Remember that St. Paul is talking about the works of the flesh. Again, the flesh is human nature controlled and directed by sin. So he ends this list of the works of the flesh with two activities that guarantee that we will be controlled and directed by sin. When we are controlled by alcohol, drugs, revelries, while under the influence, we are more likely to engage in almost all of these works of the flesh, especially adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and murders. But if we are filled with the Spirit, then we are not controlled by these lusts, and we are not controlled by the substances we put in our bodies. But rather, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, who will prevent us from fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Amen.